Well, good morning. It's great to see lots of faces on this mega screen in front of me here in the Caris Centre as I come to, to speak to you in your homes today. And uh, I wonder how you are. I wonder how you are in your spirit, how you're kind of feeling on the inside. Um, if you're like me, you're feeling a bit flat, um, a bit shut in. Um, I felt like I need a bit of a lockdown lift. And actually, uh, God's been giving it to me, and I want to share some of that with you this morning. And uh, I think he's got something for us that will really help us on our journey. If you're a young family, I'm especially aware that this is a difficult, pressured time for you. I can see that in my own, uh, my own daughter and her three young kids especially. It's not easy. And uh, we're with you in our hearts. I just want you to hear that. We really are. Quick reminder from me, this month, January, our offering is for Ukraine in two parts. It's for medicines and food for those that really do need it. And also in the second part, and you can choose which part or give, give some to each, uh, is to help Eddie and Liana with the funding of their replacement car, which is much, much needed. And so if we can give a few thousand towards that, that will be absolutely fantastic encouragement to them. So I just put those things before you for your consideration this week, as uh, this is the last week of the month. We're nearly in February, and uh, spring is coming. We can look forward to that as well. Well, today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, our third uh, message from Ephesians 1. So if you have a Bible around you, grab it, or on your phone maybe. We're going to look at Ephesians 1 together in a moment. And uh, I've called this message, To Know Him Better, which you'll see is a direct quote from the NIV um, in verse 17. Three uh, resources for you to have a look at to suggest the first sit, walk, stand by Watchman Nee, which is a slim volume, but is a really excellent kind of comment on and themes from Ephesians. So do get hold of that. Uh, if you want to go a bit deeper than the John Stock commentary, The Message of Ephesians is one I've drawn on for this morning, together with Lloyd-Jones's work, God's Ultimate Purpose, which is a whole volume on Ephesians chapter 1, which is mega. Um, and uh, it's not difficult to read, but it is substantial. So uh, do consider having a look at those if you want to really dig deeper into some of this stuff. There's so much in Ephesians, and especially in chapter 1. Let's just pray for a moment, shall we, and ask God to help us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to rest on us, everyone right now, and to illuminate our hearts that we would understand the truth and bring it fresh to us with revelation of yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, last week, Gareth helped us to think about our seated position as adopted children of God. And that was a great theme, wasn't it? Uh, today, we're going to look at verses 15 to 23 in Ephesians 1. So let's begin reading. I'll make some comments as I read. And then we're going to come back to one main point um, after that. So we'll look at verse 15 to start with. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So Paul is commending them, notice, first of all, for their faith and their love for all the saints. So they're doing well. He's commending them. I haven't stopped giving thanks for you, he says. It's an ongoing thing, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
This is the heart of the apostle for people who are doing okay. But he says, I want you to know him better. That's what I keep praying for you, he says. That's what I'm praying for all of us, all of you listening and watching this morning as well. Verse 18, I pray also, this is the second thing he prays, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Let's just stop there a second. We'll read on in a moment. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, Paul prays. And the commentators make it really clear. This is talking about an inner spiritual understanding, if you like. It's not just a, a knowing in the head. This is, it's more than that. In order that you might understand three things. The hope to which he's called you, which is both new life now and the glory to come. And that you would know his power, the power of God, to deliver both. That's really what he's talking about in his incomparably great power. Paul wants us to understand, the Bible wants us to understand, God wants us to understand today more fully the new life that we have now, the purpose that God brings to us. He brings purpose to our lives to know him and to serve him on this earth is to bring purpose and meaning to why we exist and why we live on this earth. Even right now, God is working his purpose out. We trust him for that continuously in these days. And he brings us this inner peace. Inner peace. Let me read you a little quote from John Stott. A call to an altogether new life in which we know, love, obey and serve Christ. That's purpose and meaning, isn't it? Enjoy fellowship with him and with each other. There's the inner peace. And look, and look beyond our present suffering to the glory which will one day be revealed. God wants us to understand the new life now and the glory to come. The glory to come, to see God. We will see him face to face. We will worship him. We'll be like him. We'll have perfect fellowship with him and with one another from every tongue, tribe and nation. This is the glory to come. He wants us to understand this. And then the third thing that Paul prays there is that they would understand that God has the power to deliver both, to know his power and authority. Now, this, this word to know here doesn't mean fully know, if we fully knew God's power, we'd get blown apart as human beings. But he does want us to know, to understand, the, to grasp the, the incomparably great power for us who believe. Jesus, we pray that you will shine light into our hearts, that we'd know the new life we have now. We'd know the glory to come, and we would know that you have the power to deliver both. How do we know that God has the power to deliver both? Jesus is raised. This is verse 19 onwards. That power is like the mighty working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, and power and dominion, and every title that can be given, 
not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. These are evidences of God's power that he's already given to us in the raising of Jesus, the raising of Christ. He not only raised him from the dead in the resurrection, but then he has enthroned him at his right hand. He's made him head over everything, the Bible tells us, and he's head of the church. God has the power to deliver the new life now and the glory to come. And these are some of the evidences that Paul's just reminded us of. Let's go back to the first prayer. I want to focus in now for the, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul said, I haven't stopped giving thanks. I keep on praying and asking God to do these things. The word to know here is an interesting one. The commentators point out this is epignosis, and it means full acquaintance with. So Paul is saying, although you're doing well, I've seen your faith, I've seen your love, I want you, I keep on praying that you will know, be fully acquainted with God better, more and more. This is the heart of the apostle. It's the heart of scripture. It's represented and reflects the heart of God himself, that we would know him better and better and better. And this is his call to us. And of course, as we know him better and better, life changes and all sorts of things fall into place. And he ministers to our hearts as well. This is about experience as well as understanding. Stott and Lloyd-Jones both agree on that. It's about both. Let me read you a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones on this. In talking about what is this knowing of God that Paul's talking about. He says, exact, certain, experimental, profound, the fullest knowledge that we could think of. He could not have used a stronger term. He's concerned that we should have an encounter with God, a knowledge of God that is personal and intimate, a real meeting. It's not knowing about God. It's actually knowing him better and better. This is staggering. This is the invitation to us today. And remember, Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians to a very mixed group of people that we know specifically includes slaves because he talks to them in chapter 5. His expectation is that this invitation is for everybody from what, who might have thought of themselves as the lowest of the low right up society. This is for all of us. There are degrees of knowing, aren't there? Most of you watching and listening, you, you know me to a certain extent. Most of you, I know to a certain extent. We've met, even if it was in the foyer, here at the Caris Centre, a few times. And we've spoken. We've exchanged words. We know each other a little bit. But I'm sure you'll easily recognise that there is a level of knowing, a degree of knowing, that can go way beyond that in our human relationships. So I know my daughters. Uh, they know me. I know my wife, Angela. She knows me to a much greater degree than we, most of us, know each other. 
That's, that's the reality. We understand that. And see, Paul is saying here, I want you to know God better. There's a drawing of us, an invitation of us to come and to know God better and better and better and better. That's his heart. This is last week. Um, we were just going to have a meal at home. And uh, I said, oh, Angela, what are we having for tea today? Because she cooked it, as she almost always does. And, I, um, and she told me what it was. I can't remember what it was now. Um, I distinctly remember forgetting it. Because in my heart, I thought, oh, oh, that's a shame. That's disappointing. I didn't say anything. And I just said, oh, yeah, or something. And uh, kind of passed it off. I didn't want to disappoint her because I was disappointed in what she cooked. But you know what? She immediately knew I was disappointed, even though I'd done my absolute best to cover it up. Because she knows me. She knows what I'm thinking. She can sense what I'm feeling. There are degrees of knowing. God wants us to know him, not just know about him. That's his invitation to us today. Our life changes and becomes more and more meaningful and profound the more we know God. We're made to know him, actually. That's what we're created for. And Paul wants the Ephesians to know him better. He says later in the same, in the same book, until, in the same letter, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. That's a journey, isn't it, for us to travel on. What's it look like? Well, the Apostle John gives us a clue in his letter. He says, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And Lloyd-Jones sheds light on what this fellowship means. Its fellowship means communion, intimacy, partnership, a sharing of the same life. This is the invitation of the God of heaven, of our heavenly Father to us. Jesus prayed, didn't he? The Son gives eternal life to all those you have given him, Father. Now this is eternal life, to know you, the only true God. It's John 17. It's the cry of God's heart for you to know him better. That's why Jesus came. God loved the world so much he gave his son. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Which remember Jesus has just said, we've read it, is knowing God. So how do we know him better? I can almost hear you asking the question. Well, there's God's part and there's our part. It's really very simple. God, we've just read in verse 17, the prayer of Paul, to give the spirit of wisdom and revelation. God gives us his spirit. It is a work of God himself to enable us to know him better. He gives us this insight, this understanding of the heart and the spirit to know him better. He reveals himself. The prophet Jeremiah in looking forward to the new covenant, said this, they will all know me from the least to the greatest. The prophet Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. God's part is this giving of his spirit, giving of his revelation, revealing himself. And our part, again Jeremiah says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There is a seeking on our part. There is a waiting on God, a seeking after him, a drawing close to him, a spending time with him. As James says, James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And he's writing to believers. 
What does it look like for you, I wonder? Well, for me, it looks like certainly daily time on my settee at home, a particular corner I sit in, cup of tea, journal, Bible, pray the Lord's Prayer, thinking through each phrase one at a time. That's a basic foundation for me of what does it look like for me to draw near to God? Lloyd-Jones says this, where can I find him? There is only one solution. I must wait on God. And God must tell me about himself. That is revelation. God must tell me about himself. And he does. As we seek him, as we draw near, we will find him. He will draw near to us. Another part of my journey, because I've been quite flat lately. That's including feeling like spiritually flat. I think it's just a part of the whole scenario we're living with. And I think a lot of other people are feeling the same thing. So don't feel guilty if that's you. It's part of humanity. It's part of where we are. But what we can do is do something about it, not stay there. One of the things I've been doing is reading a book called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, which is in the bottom of your screen now. It is absolutely fantastic devotional encouragement to know God better. It's all about what's he like. Let me read you one paragraph from it, which I hope will encourage you both now and maybe also to get the book and really look at it. He does not get flustered and frustrated when we come to him for fresh forgiveness, for renewed pardon, with distress and need and emptiness. That's the whole point. It's what he came to heal to provide a limitless supply of mercy and grace to his people. He wants us to draw on his grace and mercy because it's who he is. When you come to Christ for mercy and love and help in your anguish and perplexity and sinfulness, you're going with the flow of his own deepest wishes, not against them. He lives for this. This is what he loves to do. When we come to him, we're going with the flow of his deepest wish. That's so true. But sometimes there can be a little bit of our minds or hearts that think that's, that he's, there's some reluctance on his part to welcome us home, as we were reminded earlier. There's no reluctance in God's heart. Moses' heart cry in Exodus 33 was, Lord, show me your glory. Let me see your face. The psalmist's heart cry, Psalm 42, I long for you, O God. What's your heart cry this morning in response to what we've been talking about, I wonder? We have this staggering privilege of knowing God better and better. But we have a part to play. Let me summarize for you. God has the power to give you new life now and to take you to glory to come. God wants you to know him better. He enables you to know him better. You can know him better. Draw near to him. Let's pray together, shall we? Why don't you, in your own home, in whatever way you can, express your heart response to God right now. If you can speak it out so you can hear your own voice, even if it's very softly, 
I'd encourage you to do that. It makes it that much more real. It's by the confession of our lips as well as what we're thinking in our minds. Express your desire to, to come back to him, to know him better. It may be for the first time that you've realized this morning God really does invite you to know him. If that's you, tell him what you're feeling. Tell him what you're thinking. And I'd urge you to contact a Christian that you know. Get in touch with us at Community Church if you'd like to. And we will be delighted to help you in any way we can. You may be, it's the thousandth time you've come back to God. That's fine, he says. Welcome. Come in. Father, I pray that you will answer in all of our hearts today and this week in a special way the same prayers that Paul prayed for the Ephesians that you will give us enlightenment of the heart and revelation to know the hope that you've given us, the life that you've given us now, the glory to come and your power to deliver it and to know you better that you open our eyes inwardly to see you more fully, to know you more fully, that you'll draw us in. And Lord, that as, as we do that, you will meet with us, meet with every single one, touch hearts, build lives, heal where necessary. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I just need to add one thing. I felt like God spoke to me this morning and it just reminded me now. And I just simply said to him, Lord, do you have a special message for anybody today? And immediately a name came into my head of somebody, of, and I know nobody by this name. So I'm just going to go for it, trusting that God's wanting to speak to somebody. It might be your middle name, and the name is Deirdre. If that's you, then you'll know that, obviously. And I pray that God will give you the special blessing and assurance today that you know that he knows you and he's calling you to know him better. God bless you all.